How many of you get just a little bit anxious just watching that trailer, just, just seeing, hearing that ding go off and all those texts coming through and you think, oh man, did that, are you ever in a crowd and the phone goes off and you go, wait, is that me? Is that me? Okay, wait a minute. Is that, that's mine, right? That's mine. And then it keeps going and, you're like all, and then all of a sudden you look and it's like some group text that you were part of from three years ago that everybody just started saying hi to each other. But it makes you nervous, right? It gets your heart racing just to hear all those text messages. Well, it does for me too. Hey, uh, my name is Steve. I'm glad to be here with you. If you have your Bibles, open them to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90. If you were to just grab your Bible and go right to the very center of the Bible and open it, that's probably about where you'd fall. Uh, But if you need more help than that, you can pick up one of these Bibles on the floor around you and it's page 413 is where Psalm 90 is. I I have to tell you, uh, if I have one superpower, and I'm pretty sure I do, If I have one superpower, it would be that my phone never dies. My phone never dies. Now, that may not seem like a superpower to you, but I tell you, I have two kids that have phones. And it seems like not a week goes by when we're driving in the car or we're sitting on the couch or whatever, and and they ask me a question, and I say, I don't know. Why don't you look that up? Oh, I can't. My phone's dead. Right? Or I'll be talking on the phone to somebody, and they'll say, hey, I've only got a couple minutes. My phone, my battery's running low. And maybe that's just that they don't want to talk to me. I get it, okay? But isn't it true that so many of us, our phones are, but this, this phone, the one I have in my hand right now, I've had for more than six months, and it has never been at 0%. Isn't that incredible? Let me tell you how. Every night before I go to bed, I put my phone on the charger and plug it in, and it stays plugged in all night long. And then when I wake up in the morning, I take it off the charger and put it in my pocket. And then during the day, I use it responsibly. I know that doesn't sound like a superpower, does it, really, when you think of it that way? But, but just like every other, every phone, every other battery-powered device, any electronic device uh, for that matter, we can develop routines and rhythms that help us recharge areas of our lives. So as we start the new year, we're, we're continuing in this series we're calling Life at 2%. And we're going to look at several areas of our lives and how we can recharge those areas, how we can, uh, areas where we often walk around depleted but we don't have to. That scripture gives us good information, good wisdom of how to recharge those areas of our lives. Because the truth is, many of us live our lives, or at least some area of our lives, with our figurative batteries low. And so for you, maybe it's your money. You know, you get to the end of the month and there's too much month left at the end of your money, right? Or, or maybe it's your time. It's Uh, there's too many things to do. We've got too much on the calendar. We can't possibly accomplish everything. Maybe for you, it's rest or it's your faith. Well, whatever it is, we hope that during this five-week series, we're going to address that today. So Paul talked about money last week. If you missed it, great message on how to recharge your finances at the first of the year. Um, This week, I want to talk about your time because we live in a culture that is obsessed with time, don't we? I mean, how, I'll just ask, how many of you have at least two devices on your body right now that tell you what time it is? Raise your hand if you've got at least two. Yep. More than half the room. I have two. I've got my Fitbit and my phone. But it gets worse than that because there's a place I can stand in my kitchen and I can see without my phone out, I can see no fewer than seven clocks. I can look to my right. If I'm standing washing the dishes, I can look to my right and see the thermostat. I can see the coffee maker, the clock radio, the stove, the microwave, and then there are two clocks, one hanging in my kitchen and one hanging in my living room. Seven places I can tell you what time it is. At any given time while standing in the kitchen, I can tell you that it's somewhere between 8.57 and 9.04. (laughs) Why are we so obsessed with time? Well, because we live in a busy culture. 
Working people are busy. Parents of high school students are busy. High school students are busy. Parents with two-year-olds are busy. Uh, College students are busy. Single adults are busy. Retired people are busy. I can't get lunch with my parents. Neither one of them have a job. I don't know what they do all day, but they don't have time for me. We are all busy. And because we're so busy, we come up with ways, don't we, to make better use of our time. We weave in and out of traffic looking for the lane that's going to be the fastest that might shave 15 seconds off our commute. We listen to audiobooks at double speed so that we can get through them faster. We use the skip intro feature on Netflix so that we can even binge faster, right? And even though the internet is faster than it's ever been, how often do we find ourselves tapping our keyboard because we can't wait four seconds for that stupid YouTube video to load, right? We live in a busy culture. We are busy people. But the truth is we also waste a lot of time. And that's bad because there are some some truths about money, some universal truths about money, some things that are about time, I'm sorry, about time. There are some universal truths about money too, but there are some universal truths about time that are true for you no matter what your background is, where you, where you were born, uh, what your race, what your religion, what your socioeconomic background, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, there are some things that are universally true about, about time. And there are these. One, our time is limited. Like we have a limited amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day. We all get seven days in a week. And even our life is limited. Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book even before the first one began. Our time is limited and there's nothing we can do about that. The second universal truth about time is this, we will spend all of our time doing something. I mean, when we get to the end of our lives, all of our time will have been spent sleeping, working, driving, eating, mowing, cleaning, going to church, watching TV, whatever we're doing, At the end of our lives, when we look back, every minute we've been given will have been spent doing something. And the third universal truth about money is this. Some, or about time, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm stuck on money today. Uh, Maybe I listened to Paul's message and it just really rocked me. But um, the third universal truth about time is this. Someone will determine how we use all of our time. And that's important. This is a part that so many of us miss because if we are not incessantly intentional about how we spend our time, someone else will decide how to spend it for us. And so how do we do that? How can we be intentional about how we spend our time? Well, we're going to take a lesson from a man named Moses. Now, there's a good chance you know about Moses, whether you've read about him in the Old Testament or maybe you watched a movie about Moses. And if you're from a particular generation, your Moses of choice might be Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments movie. And when you think about Moses, you think about Charlton Heston. You know, if you're a little younger, maybe it's the Prince of Egypt and Val Kilmer is your Moses. At least his voice uh, is the voice that you hear when you hear Moses talking. And then let's get with the times. If it's recent that you've learned about Moses, you maybe have watched the Bible series in recent years. And William Houston, who's lesser known but no less fabulous, played Moses in that series. So whoever you prefer to play Moses, you probably know a few things about Moses. You maybe know that he grew up in Egypt, where he learned to walk like an Egyptian. You maybe know that he killed an Egyptian in his youth. Uh, You maybe know that uh, he was called by God to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, where God used Moses to deliver uh, 10 plagues on the people of Egypt. You know about the Exodus and the, the Ten Commandments and the Red Sea. But did you know there was a period of Moses' life, and it's in between that time when he killed that Egyptian and the time that he was called by God to be the leader of Israel, uh, there's a time in Moses' life, a period of 40 years, in fact, where he was a refugee. 
He lived in a place called Midian, and he was living there as a shepherd, and maybe the best 40 years of his life. And while he was there, the interesting thing about Moses is, as a shepherd, he had no use for a clock. Uh, Your schedule was pretty much set for you by the sheep. So when the sun comes up, the sheep start moving, you take care of the sheep. Sun goes down, you rest. Sun comes up, sheep start moving, you take care of the sheep again. Don't really need a clock for that. You can figure it out, right? But that was Moses' cycle. That was his rhythm. But still, in the midst of all that, he understood. The amazing thing about Moses was he understood this this idea that time was slipping away. He, He knew that all of our time was limited. And so while he was there, while he was in Midian, Moses also wrote a series of poems or songs. We, we call them psalms. And uh, they're, they're found in our modern day Bible. In fact, when most of us think of the psalms, we think of who? David. We think of David, right? David wrote a lot of the psalms, but Moses wrote some. And I think it's in there from Psalm 90 to maybe 102 are the psalms of Moses. And in one of Moses' most famous psalms, he gives us this great piece of advice about managing our time. It says this, Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, the interesting thing is if you look at the top of this psalm at the beginning of Psalm 90, it's called a prayer of Moses. So this is a prayer. This is something he's praying to the Lord and uh, he's asking God that we might learn to number our days and that somehow by numbering our days that we might get some wisdom out of that. So what does that mean and why is that important? Well, because once you begin to put a number on something, you understand that it's limited, right? If we view something as unlimited, we have a tendency to waste it, just like your kids do with money. They don't have any concept of the tie of work to money. And so if they're, especially if they're young, money is kind of an unlimited resource for them. So why not spend it on whatever we have? But then when you get older, you start to realize that money is a limited resource, right? And it's tied to how much you work. Well, time is a limited resource. And when we number our days, we can start to understand that our time is limited. And when we understand something is limited, we don't waste it. Now, Moses is asking God here that he could learn to put a number on his days. Now, notice he doesn't ask for more days. He doesn't say, God, there's just not enough time. Give me more days. We serve an all-powerful God, amen? So if Moses had asked for more time, God had the power to give it to him, but he doesn't. He says, he says God, give me the wisdom to better use the days that I've been given. And this is so important because remember the, uh, the third universal truth about time is that someone will determine how we use our time. Moses is asking God to teach us to be the one that decides how our time will be used. When we number our days, we have a better chance of being the one who is intentional and who determines how we use our time. And this is so important because have you ever thought about where your unmanaged time goes? You know, we all have time that we take care of and care for, and then we have time that's unmanaged. Have you thought about where your unmanaged time goes? I didn't really think about this until I was preparing this message, but I've come up with three places that my unmanaged time goes. Number one is this, unmanaged time tends to flow towards my weaknesses. Why is that? Well, because if I'm good at something, it doesn't take me a lot of time to do it, right? But if I'm bad at something, it can become a time sucker. It can become a black hole for time. So for example, um, I've watched my wife clean our bathroom. We have a large bathroom in our house and I've watched my wife clean it and she can clean the whole thing top to bottom 15 minutes. 
And she goes around that bathroom and she's got every cleaner that she needs in her hand at the right time and she never doubles back and she just makes a, a loop all the way around the bathroom. In 15, 20 minutes tops, it is clean. When I try to clean that bathroom, it takes me an hour. At least that's the excuse I use. Um, but it takes me a lot longer. I'm not nearly as efficient at it. Now, I've, we've lived in our house for six years. I've probably mowed our lawn 150 times. I know the pattern. Right, like on Pac-Man, you guys remember the game Pac-Man? You have a pattern that, that when you mow your lawn. Isn't there a pattern? There's this, you mow it the same way every time, right? Well, once you figure that out, you figure out the most efficient way to do it. I'm the fastest person in the world at mowing my lawn because I've done it 150 times. When my wife or my kids mow, mow the lawn, bless their heart, I love it. I love that they do that, but it takes them so long. Like this should take 45 minutes. Why are you out there two hours? What are you doing out there, Right? Because our unmanaged time tends to flow towards our weaknesses. Second place unmanaged time goes, unmanaged time flows towards the dominant people in your life. Can I get an amen for that? Uh, all of us have people who tend to dominate our time, right? right? They, they may be uh, needy people. Uh, they may be bossy people. Or they may be incredibly nice people who we love, but they just take some extra time to deal with. You know who I'm talking about? We call them in our house, we call them the EGR, extra grace required, right? You got those people in your life? Like it just takes some extra time every time you have a conversation, doesn't it? Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying avoid those people for efficiency's sake. So, you know, you can be more efficient if you didn't talk to them. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a relationship with them or that they're not important. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just reminding you, because you already know this, I'm reminding you that if you don't take control of your time, there are lots of people who would love to do it for you, right? And someone's going to determine how we spend our time. So number the days or run the risk of having them number for you. So our unmanaged time goes towards our weaknesses, towards dominant people. And the third place is unmanaged time surrenders to the all emergencies. All emergencies get surrendered to unmanaged time. I've talked before from this stage, and I know Paul has too, about the difference between urgent things and important things. You know, urgent things are the things that need to be done right now. Important things are the things that need to be done or else. And the truth is, uh, so much of our time is governed by the tyranny of the urgent. We have this list of things that need to get done and they need to get done right now. Uh, but I, because we live in a world full of disorganized people who've completely lost control of time. And how often is it true that when somebody else loses control of time, it becomes our emergency, right? And our time has to flow towards their emergency. Now, what I want to remind you, though, is that not everything that screams the loudest is the most important thing. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to hear this. Not everything that screams the loudest is the most important thing. In fact, sometimes the really, really important things don't scream at us at all. They don't really have a deadline or a due date per se, but they just kind of creep up on you. Right? Things like your kid going to college or your retirement or if I can be so bold, even your deathbed. It's those things that just always seem so far out there in the future and then one day you wake up and poof, they're here. And oh, I haven't really planned for that. I haven't really thought about what's gonna happen when that gets here. And so what I wanna do today is give you a few rules. Uh, I'm gonna call them principles really to help you manage your time. Now, wait a minute. Uh, I thought this was a church. I'm, I'm here to hear about how to worship Jesus. I'm not here for a time management seminar. Okay, well, that's good. That's important, right? But I want to tell you two things. First of all, um, I know you think I'm a pastor and I only work on Sundays. Uh, but I do have some experience managing time. And scripture has many, many more 
time management principles in it than any good corporate self-help book. And then the second thing I want to remind you is that there is a spiritual aspect to being overscheduled. That, that so many of us, the way we live our lives, the way we have more demands on our time than ever, it may help us conform to the ways of this world, but it adds to stress on our bodies, stress on our relationships, stress on our spirits, and it detracts from our relationships with other people and our relationship with the Lord. And so if you come in here tired or overwhelmed or overscheduled, I feel you. I feel you. And I want you to know something. If you're in here and you're, you're, you're feeling like that, you're feeling overwhelmed by life, uh, I am for you. I believe in you. I'm serious. I am constantly amazed at the capacity and the capability of the people that I meet in this church. You guys blow me away at what you can accomplish, the skills you have, the gifts that God has given you, and how much that you get done. I believe you can do anything. I think you can do anything you set your mind to. But you can't do everything. And it's important to remember because so much of our stress, so much of our lack of margin, so much of our living life at 2% has everything to do with our failure to number our days. And so what I want to do is I want to pull some wisdom from Scripture and give you these three simple principles to recharge your time. I think they're easy. I think you'll understand them. I think they'll be really helpful to you. Uh, So number one is this. Three principles. These are in your notes if you want to follow along. Principle number one, set priorities. Set priorities. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. So how do you determine what you do first? Well, I want to point you to a piece of Scripture that's been really helpful for me in this. It's Proverbs 24, 27. Now, you may not get the connection at first, but it says this, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. So in the time that Proverbs were written, the fields were critical. Fields represented income. The way we get paid is by what we grow and harvest. And then the house was kind of secondary. And so what the uh, writer of Proverbs is saying is, hey, take care of the first things first, the most important thing first, and then go do the next most important thing. In other words, you can't do everything at the same time. So what you have to do is set a priority. You have to set priorities. What's first, what's second, right? So how do you determine what's the most important? Well, here's what you do. Make a list of everything that you want to accomplish tomorrow. By the way, do this in the evening. Don't do it in the morning. If you wait until you get to work, you're already too late. Because by the time you get to work, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to turn on your computer and the first screen that's going to come up is your email and you're going to start looking at it and you're going to start answering it and then you're already a slave to somebody else's demands on your time. Right? So you've got to decide the night before what are the most important things. Right? Decide the night before you get, become the mercy of somebody else's schedule. The key to managing your time is to put the most important things first. Put the most important things first. So tonight, make a list of everything you want to accomplish. And I, I would say do this in the evening. By the way, I think the Jewish culture had this right. You know, in the Jewish culture, the day begins at sundown. The day begins at sundown. That's when the day starts. You get your rest. The rest prepares you for the next day. So you're ready to go, right? And so this is the way time goes. In fact, if you read in Genesis 1, this is the way God designed it to be. Look at Genesis 1. When God is creating everything, you'll read something like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it'll say, God created the water. And he created uh, some space above the water. And they called it the sky. And it was evening. It was morning, day one. 
Have you ever noticed that? The evening comes before the morning in the day. The evening starts your day. And how important is this for us to understand? That what happens at night prepares us for the next day's work. And so anyway, do this at night. So make a list of everything that you know you need to accomplish. And then say, okay, if I could only accomplish one thing on this list, what would it be? And you put a one by that. Okay, assume I get that done. What's the next most important thing? You put a two by that. You go all the way down that list and prioritize them. Then when you start your day, you know what to do first and what to do second, and so on and so on. Okay, Steve, but what if I don't get everything done? You won't, but you don't now. And at least if you do the most important things first, you'll go home at night and you'll be able to rest knowing, hey, I got the most important things done. My guess is that's better than you do now. It's better than I do now because you don't have time for everything and neither do I. Honestly, I mean, since we all have the same amount of time, the things we accomplish are not determined by how much time we have, but what our priorities are. Just to remind you, everybody that you may look up to, whether it's uh, somebody in, you know, in the Christian field, or if it's somebody in a sport that you love, or somebody in a hobby that you have, or it's a writer that you look up to, or it's an actor or a singer, somebody that you look up to, I want to tell you a secret about them they have the exact same amount of time as you do. The only difference is how they set their priorities, right? And so we all have the same amount of time. And so um, what I've been doing, I wanna share this phrase with you that I've been trying out this year. And I, this would be the fourth time I've shared it in front of a group. And uh, some people love it and some people hate it because it hurts a lot, all right? But here's the phrase I've been doing this year. So if there's something that you're thinking about doing, uh, maybe it's going to church or maybe it's praying or it's reading your Bible or maybe it's working out or cooking healthy food or spending time with your kids or spending time with your spouse or, or writing a book or whatever it is. Something that you know is important that you want to do but you haven't made time for. Here's, here's the phrase. Instead of saying, I don't have time for that, try this. I'm not making that a priority. And see how that feels. Right? And so... Uh, if somebody says, hey, have you spent a lot of time with your kids late? And you said, you know what? I'm not really making that a priority. Ooh, that hurts, right? Well, that's the intention. It's supposed to hurt. So if it hurts, what do you do? You go back to your list and you move that on up on the list, right? You make that more of a priority. Now, I've been trying that this year. It's really been working out really well for me as far as prioritizing things. Now, putting things first priority doesn't mean you have to do it first, right? If your first priority is, um, I'm closing on a house at three o'clock in the afternoon. That doesn't mean you can't do anything till three o'clock in the afternoon because that's the first thing you gotta do. But it's the first thing you put on your schedule. And that leads us to the second priority. The second priority, second principle is this, schedule everything. Put everything on your schedule. Author Alec McKenzie wrote a book called The Time Trap. Maybe some of you have read it. Alec McKenzie says it this way. He says, planning your day rather than allowing it to unfold at the whim of others is the single most important piece in the time management puzzle. I love that. Scheduling everything is the single most important piece in the time management puzzle. In, in Scripture, the book of Ecclesiastes says it this way, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, I think if this was written by a, 21st century time management expert instead of a philosopher and king like Solomon, it would say something like, there's a time to eat and a time to make phone calls. 
There's a a time to work out and a time to chill. There's a a time to hang out with friends and a time to clean the kitchen. Like there's these things that we're gonna do in our life. And the truth is that even before you wake up in the morning, there are a ton of things that you just know you're going to do the next day. I mean, obviously you have your meetings and obligations and those things are already on your schedule. But then there are other things that you just always do, right? Or you just do a lot of the time. You, you, know, you don't know everything, but you know you're going to do some things. You know, for instance, you're going to check your email. You know you're probably going to surf Facebook or Instagram or what, Snapchat or whatever your social media site that you like is. You know you're probably going to watch something on Netflix. But those are the things that can easily become a black hole for our time. So what would happen if you actually put them on the schedule? Like what if during the day you put a half an hour block on your schedule, I'm going to check Facebook. It'll do a couple things for you, all right? Uh, The the trick is you actually schedule them. So whatever tool you use, iCal, Google Calendar, or your embossed, leather-bound, Stephen Covey, Heaven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, you know, day planner that you got in 1993 when you first came into the corporate world, that thing. Whatever you use to schedule your events, you schedule all of those things on your schedule and at a time when you know you're going to do it. Now, it does a couple things for you. One, it helps you understand how much time you actually spend on those things that can be black holes for time. Do you know how much time you spend watching Netflix in a day? how much time you spend on Instagram or on Twitter? Well, if you don't, if you schedule that, you'll know, you'll understand how much time. But second, it gives you permission to get out of that time trap. And so just for instance, if you put a half an hour on your calendar to scroll through your Facebook feed and then your alarm goes off on your phone or on your computer and reminds you, oh, it's time to move on to the next thing, you'll go, I can't believe I spent a half an hour on that. But you have an excuse to get out of it and move on to the next thing, right? Here's what else happens when you schedule everything. Some people think I'm a bad person for saying this. I hope you don't think that. But you have a legitimate appointment when one of those dominant people in your life try to steal your time. Because isn't this true? Here's what happens. The phone rings and you look at it and you go, ooh. And it's not because you don't like them or even because you don't want to talk to them, but it's because when that phone rings and that name comes up on your phone, you know what the next hour and a half or two hours of your life is about to look like, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so what would happen if you got that uh, phone call and you sent a text and just said, hey, I'm in the middle of an appointment right now, but I've got some time at 1.30, can I call you back? And then 1.30 comes along and you pick up the phone and you call them and you say, hey, I'm so glad you called. I've got another appointment at 2.00 right? Because it's on your calendar. I've got another appointment at two, but I want to hear what you had to say. Let's talk. And then in a way that's completely full of integrity, you're taking control of your time. You're numbering your days. Now, I know that there are people in this room and you're a free spirit. And you're thinking, that sounds so confining. Do I really have to schedule everything? Well, the answer, of course, is no. You don't have to do anything that I tell you up here. Uh, You don't have to schedule everything. You can keep doing what you've been doing. But you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And if you feel stressed and overtired, overtired and run down and you feel like you're living life at 2%, if you can schedule some things that are normally time suckers, even if you don't schedule everything, I recommend that you schedule those time suckers and those things you really want to avoid getting done. How many of you have things on your to-do list that have been there for a few days because you are avoiding getting them done, right? Uh, One uh, time management expert calls it uh, eat the live frog problem. Uh, 
you know, if you were to make your list of everything you had to do, and one of the things down on the list was you had to eat a live frog, most of us would probably put that off a few days, right? We'd wait on that one. But he says, hey, the best way to deal with that is to do that first, to eat the live frog first, because then everything else seems easier after that, right? Uh, So we want to schedule those things that are the time suckers and that are the most difficult things, and you will see probably 80 or 90% of the benefit of scheduling everything. Okay, so to recharge your time, you set your priorities and you schedule everything. Now, those two things apply to everybody. If you're a Christian and you're having a hard time managing your time, those things are going to help you out. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can take that. That's wisdom from scripture that it will apply to your life. And uh, you can gain margin uh, by applying these two principles. And I hope that's been helpful for you. But for those of you in the room who are followers of Jesus, there's a third principle. And I think the third principle is the most important because it has everything to do with how we set our priorities. When, When you're prioritizing everything and putting things on your calendar and making a list, the third principle is the most important. It's this. Make sure to put God first. Put God first. Because here's the truth. We can make ourselves as efficient as we want. We can accomplish more and more. It gets super good at getting things done. But if we're just doing it to build our kingdom, we're always going to feel a little tired and a little bit run down and like we can accomplish more and like we're living with our batteries low. But Matthew 6.33 reminds us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things scripture promises. If we seek God's kingdom first, it promises all the other things will find their rightful place. What does this mean? It means when you set your priorities, you make sure to put time with the Lord at the top of the list. You make time for meditating on scripture. Make time for praying. You know, self-care is a uh, big word in our society. In fact, I would probably say it was the word of 2017. But real self-care isn't just about massages and pedicures and eating tubs of Blue Bunny. Real self-care is understanding that there is a God who created you who cares more about yourself than you could ever care about yourself. He gave himself up for you. He sacrificed his only son, Jesus, so that you could have eternal life with him. And if you're gonna have eternity with God, is it really so hard to set aside 15 minutes to have with him now? Set a prayer appointment. Schedule time during the day where you'll have an alarm go off on your phone or go off on your computer or go off on your watch that uh, you will set aside time to pray. Join a connection group. You know, don't live your spiritual life alone. Get around others who are going to encourage you and help you grow in your faith. Uh, There's a list of connection groups. We have several that are starting in just a few months. Financial Peace is one of them, but there are others. Um, In just a few weeks, we've got some new connection groups starting. There's a whole list of them at the Info Hub. Pick one of those up. Set a consistent time to spend in Scripture. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five to ten minutes, but make it a priority and be consistent. It might be the best thing you do all year. It might be your best self-care that you ever do, but don't take my word for it. Just try it for a month. Try it for a month and then come tell me if I'm wrong. I promise I won't be. It's the key to recharging your time. Let's pray together. Father God, I confess uh, right here in front of these beautiful people that I am not always the best at numbering my days. But that when I do it, I see a difference. And when I don't do it, Lord, I feel frazzled, I feel overwhelmed. And so I thank you even again today for this reminder 
to number my days. God, teach me to do that. Continue to teach me how to do that. Continue to teach us how to number our days. How do we set our priorities? How do we, how do we keep our schedule in a way that brings honor and glory to you? How do we put you first? Uh, even today on a Sunday, the Lord's day, God, we'll walk out of here and some of us have a hundred things we've got to accomplish today. Help us even in that mess and that really crazy environment, help us to put you first. And God, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we go back to work, we get back into our, go back to school, we get back into our routine. And there are people all around us living this crazy life, this life at 2%, this schedule that is unsustainable, Lord. Help us not to conform to that, but to live our lives in the way you've called us to do it, to number our days. God, I ask that for me, and I ask that for the people in this room, and I trust that you will be faithful on your promise to help us number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.